You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, everybody. Welcome into another Pipeline podcast. Tim McMaster here, along with MLB Pipeline's Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo as well. Lots to get to on this podcast. One topic we're going to talk about, we're going to look into the crystal ball a little bit. Jim Callis did that. Uh, on MLB Pipeline and figured out who the top 10 prospects in baseball will be one year from right now. It's something he likes to do every year. So we'll look ahead a little bit at who could be on that list a year from now. We're also going to look back entirely too soon on the 2018 draft and, and what guys have had great summers and on a quick look at it, who maybe should have gone a little bit higher in that draft. But before we get to that, we're excited to be joined on the podcast this week by Peter Alonzo, Mets prospect, um, Mets player of the year within the organization, 36 home runs between AA and AAA, just a huge season. Peter, first of all, thanks for joining us, and congratulations on the year you've had. No, absolutely. I, I appreciate um, I appreciate you guys having me on. I mean, it's really cool to it's really cool to talk to you guys. I'm I'm really excited uh, for this. What did it mean to you to to get the organizational player of the year award? I know you were in New York on Wednesday for a little press conference to talk about it. Right. Um, I mean, it, it meant I mean it meant everything because I mean uh, it's just recognizing the the hard work and, and success I've had, and I mean it's I mean it's been a it's been a long process of of getting better and becoming a better player, and I mean I'm just showing people what I can do, and I'm just gonna look forward to keep working and um, putting up putting up more numbers as, as my career goes on. Hey, Peter, speaking of putting up numbers, you led the minors in RBI this year with 119. You, you tied for the home run lead with 36. As the season's going on and getting close to the end, are, are you aware of, of the fact that you're leading the minors in those categories or close? I mean, you came into the, the final day of the season, one homer behind Mm-hmm. Uh, Isabel, Isabel the Reds, and you got the home run to, to tie him. Was that something you were trying to do on the last day? I mean, were you aware you were one homer behind? Yeah, I was. Uh, I was aware. Um, I mean, I mean, there's. I I gave away a couple of at bats uh, trying to swing for it uh, that day. So if you tr- it's, in baseball, if you try too hard in the game, it's just one of those things where it's just never going to happen. So I mean, I just went back to my approach, my my last at bat. But I mean, it's just one of those things that it's. I mean, you you look, you just kind of look around, especially like later on in the season. I mean, it's not just a. I mean, it's not just for you. For you, it's like, it's just a it's a competition, you know, between. I mean, wins and losses is differently, but I mean, at the end of the year, you still have RBI. Uh, RBI leader, home run leader, and, and bat and hitting leader, and to have two of those titles is is it's really 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 cool. Um, I mean, I'm I'm honored, and I mean, it's just one of those things where I got one game to do it, and you know what? It's 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 go time, baby. It's time time to do it. Well, you took it right down to the wire too, right? Because you homered in the ninth inning, I think, off of Tyler Beatty. Had you had you faced mm-hmm. him in college, and yeah, and how did it feel when you when you, when you hit it? Did you know you had just tied for the the minor league home run lead on that swing? Uh, I knew it, but um, I mean, it was the reason why. There's two reasons why that home run was so cool. 
The first reason being is that he he shoved it against me when um, when I was a freshman, his junior year. He he really let me have it uh, when when we played Zandy my freshman year, and uh, he got me. He struck me out again this year, and then finally I got I, I finally got him. <laughs> and then the second reason is. I mean, that was the last game ever uh, to be played in, in, in Cashman Field, which is Vegas's field. And because they're moving the new ball, they're getting a new ballpark, which is going to be super awesome for uh, for the team in the city. But I think that, I mean, there's been amazing players that have come through that stadium uh, since they started playing baseball in Vegas. And I just think that um, to put the stadium to, to rest like that. I mean, to send Cashman off like that, that was, that, that was, that was really, really cool. You know, Peter, as you, you, you know, now, I mean, you know, a lot of minor league baseball gives out the Joe Bauman award for home run leaders. At what point did you know that the tiebreaker was, was runs batted in for a season? I mean, did you know going into that game that if, if you could hit the, just one homer to tie because of the edge and RBIs, you, you would, uh, you would get that award. I didn't know the RBI separated it. That's wow. Um, yeah, that's 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 a fun fact. I had no idea. I thought it was just like, all right, we tied. Like, you know, oh, you mean, so you're just finding out really right cool. now that you're the Joe Bauman Award winner? No, I just didn't know. That, I know I'm aware that I thought it's yeah. because I hit the home run in the futures game, not because I had more RBIs. Yep, that's the that is the the first tiebreaker. If you tie in homers, uh, they go to runs batted in, and since you beat everybody in that category, that that's yeah. what gave you the edge. Gotcha. Well, I didn't I didn't know that was the tiebreaker. I thought we both were just sharing it. Well, there you go. Congratulations. Um, Thank you. I wanted to say, you know, obviously, as you you know were, were raking in Double A, and then you moved up to Triple A, and you kept hitting homers. The uh, the noise coming from New York to, to call you up uh, was getting louder and louder. Uh, how did you find a way, especially when you're that you know phone call away, so to speak, in AAA, sort of keep that out of your mind and not worry too much about well, when is that call going to come, or is it something that you know that that did uh, affect you from time to time? Um, I mean, it's I mean it's it's kind of tough to deal with because I mean after after being successful, it's like you uh, like every single player is like, what, what do you need to do? It's like, what else do you need to do? And I mean, it's just like, I feel like it's just kind of like natural human emotion where it's like, you can be disappointed or you're just kind of like questioning, like, okay, what else do I need to do? Like, I need to do this instead of just like staying with, like, I just like needed to keep, keep on keeping and, and staying within myself. I mean, it, it is difficult mentally to deal with um, from time to time. And I, I think that the, the main thing that, that really helped was um, just uh, just kind of just thinking, uh, just taking time to myself and just uh, calming down and, and just realizing that um, sooner rather than later my time's going to come. And I can, only, I can only play, and I can't really worry about the, the business side or the or – the, or the office side. Peter, one of the, the subplots that's fascinated me, you, you were part of the 2016 Gators, which might have the best college pitching staff in recent memory. I mean, you, the weekend rotation mm-hmm. was all first and second round picks, and A.J. Puck, Alex Fayetta, Logan Shore, 
The swingman was Dane Dunning, who was a first-round pick. You had two mm-hmm. freshmen on the staff in Jackson Coar and Brady Singer, who went on to be first-round picks. And then you had three relievers. Sean Anderson Scott Moss had great years as starters this year yeah. in the minors. And Michael Byrne, who was probably the best closer in college baseball the last two years, he might get a chance mm-hmm. to start after signing with the Reds. When you were there, did you guys realize how good, how ridiculously good that pitching staff was? And who do you think will be the best of all those pitchers in the long run in the big leagues? Um, I don't know. I mean, it's that's really hard to tell. I mean, it's it's really um, that's that's really good company. I mean, I mean, we knew we knew we were good. I mean, that, that's the thing in college, um, like especially. I mean, 15, 2015 too, because I mean, you got Eric Handhold now, who's in the big leagues. Bobby Pointer, who's who's in the big leagues, like, and then Bader. I mean, those. I mean, we've had my my three years. We've had some really really stacked teams and it's it's really difficult to say who's gonna be the most successful because i mean our, our teams were, were pretty juiced i mean it's it's those are some really special teams and i mean it's i mean that's that's all that's an impossible question because i feel like i mean pretty much i hope i hope all of our guys are, are successful because they're they're really really good players no that could be nine big league starters when all is said and done <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. I mean, after uh, after some time passes by and you look up, it's like, man, like we're really damn good. <laughs> like even even more so, it it comes out like kind of like right now. It's like after the draft panned out, you had a lot of guys going in some in the really like high rounds, top rounds, and then guys guys perform well in the minors. So I mean, it's it's really fun to watch. Yeah, you don't want to. Sell the the offense short. I mean, uh, there was you, mm-hmm. know, you and Buddy Reed. Uh, you know, had a big year this year. Uh, mm-hmm. Went to the Futures game with you. Jonathan India was a top you know ten pick uh, in, in this year's draft. Uh, a lot of really good players. Uh, have you you know from the pitching staff you know without having cross reference, have you faced any of them in the minors? And what was that experience like? To you know these guys that you spent so much time with. Uh, with the Gators now having to uh, uh, oppose them in different organizations. I mean, I've done. I mean, I've done really well off of other other Gator former Gators because, I mean, I, I've I've got the best scouting report out of anybody. <laughs> I mean, from all the inner squads and, and playing with them for so long. But um, I got Sean. Uh, got Sean, but he he always got me. I mean. Uh, I mean, it's it's always just really, really good competitive battles. I mean, I faced Logan, uh, AJ, Sean. I faced Sean two two years in a row now. I'm trying to think, I faced Pointer last year in Double A, um, and I think that's I think that's it for now that I I can just remember off the top of my head. But I mean, it's just that it's it's kind of fun. Oh, I faced Kirby and um, Kirby Sneed. Danny Young, Justin Schaefer. I mean, the list goes list goes on. Peter, I know you've probably been told plenty and maybe experienced it a little bit yesterday when you were up in New York, but uh, dealing with the New York media is like probably no other market, and obviously you're on the track to, to be a Met very soon. Um, I know there was plenty of talk around the city whether you should have been or shouldn't have been called up. Um, right. 
and it got crazy on Twitter as well. And I just wanted to get your take on your plan for just dealing with with playing in New York and everything that comes with it. Because I know you engaged a little bit on Twitter in in a fun way and in a positive way. Um, but what's your plan going forward for just dealing with the craziness that is New York? Well, I mean, I'm always going to be myself, and I'm just going to. I mean, I just. I, I know that New York media is crazy, but I'm always going to be myself and, and, and be honest and, and express how I truly feel about things. Um, and I just think that, I mean, if, I mean, people can, can take that however I want, but I'm always, I'm always going to be who I am, you know? And I feel like that a lot of times too, is that, I mean, a lot of fans, like they just see the baseball side of it and they see us like in, and press conferences and, and see like our stat things. Like um, one thing that like, I kind of like, I kind of see it's like fans don't necessarily think like, think that we're allowed to have like emotions or it's like, it's, it's unusual for us to like share like human emotions. And it's like, like I'm a baseball player, but it's like, I'm like, I have like feelings too. So that's, that's the one thing I kind of feel that, um, people don't necessarily take into consideration because it's like, I mean, when they look up who I am, they see videos like of me in uniform and they, or they see stuff like, like, a, like a stat line, but they don't really, um, know me as, as, um, as a person. So, I mean, hopefully, uh, just me being myself, being friendly and fun and honest, I mean, hopefully, uh, they'll get a chance to get to know me well. Peter, you're headed to the Arizona Fall League in a little bit. Uh, what are you hoping to work on while you're there, and how much are you looking forward to that opportunity? Well, one thing that um, is the one adjustment that um, kind of troubled me as soon as I got up to AAA, um, I I got a lot of uh, I got a, a huge, I got a really like different mix. Um, I was talking with some of the other like guys that have played in the um, what is it the international league. The right, IL, right, the other half, yeah. Um, they said it's the PCL is a lot different than the IL uh, because it's like a lot more guys uh, out west. They have um, like cutters, cha- right on right changeups, like different different style of breaking balls where it's like in and out of the zone uh, stuff that looks like strikes, but they're not, or just a lot of like um, a lot of like borderline pitches. Um, and then I just like. I just needed to capitalize on pitches that I needed to, that I could drive instead of kind of just expand a little bit. So um, I was, I was being expanded exposed a little bit because I was trying to, I was trying to get after it. And um, instead of just, just be super selective and then just um, stay in my little, stay in my little area. Um, and then also defense. Um, I, I've, I've come a, a really long way this year. I mean, it's been a, a really tremendous turnaround, and I'm just—I mean, I'm just looking forward to just keep continuing to get reps out there and just improve on um, all parts of my game. Peter, we always finish these interviews up with a fastball segment, where basically I'm going to fire questions at you. They're—they're kind of quick answers. You ready? Mm-hmm. All right, here we go. We'll see. When you get to the big leagues, who is the pitcher that you're most excited to face? Uh, anyone. that's a fair answer all right you've played i think in four minor league cities what's your favorite mascot favorite mascot 
Um, Cyclones. Okay. I thought you would go with Rumble Ponies, but Cyclones is fair. Uh, and I live in Brooklyn, so that one is, uh, is a good one. All right. Favorite go. Plant High School Hall of Fame alum, Wade Boggs of the Baseball Hall of Fame, or Stephen Stills of Crosby, Stills, and Nash? Wade Boggs. All right. I got to spin this off to one more Stills question, though. What's your favorite Crosby, Stills, and Nash song? Or, or is that dating myself? I, I, I don't even know. All right, I'll get one from Jim and Jonathan because they probably have one. All right, one last question. You seem to have loved your time in Las Vegas. Uh, you talked yes. about the ballpark and everything. Will Las Vegas ever have a major league team? Um, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's, a really good, that's a really good question. I mean, Vegas is kind of a, it's a growing area, and um, I think when they have the brand-new ballpark out there, um, and then there, it's the new ballpark isn't on the strip. It's in one of the suburbs um, of Vegas called Summerlin, and it's kind of like more of a more of a family atmosphere out there, and it's it's more residential. Because Classman was right on the north side of the strip um, in Fremont, so it's like kind of a kind of a crazy area down there. Um, obviously, I mean the Vegas Strip is the Vegas Strip. I mean you don't. You don't know what what's going to happen or what you're going to see down there. So, I think if it's it's going to be a better baseball environment, and but this is going to be a really good like trial run, and if they're really successful, um, in someone, I think they could possibly. But it, I I think it just all depends on a bunch of a bunch of things. Good answer. All right, uh, Peter. Congratulations on a tremendous season this year, and good luck in the Arizona Fall League. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you having me on. All right, that was Peter Alonzo, Mets prospect, heading to the Arizona Fall League, 36 home runs. Uh, the award winner, Jonathan, broke out the tiebreaker there. That was impressive as well. But, um, Jim, you asked him about what he needs to work on in the Arizona Fall League. A lot of Mets fans wanted to see this guy uh, in flushing here in September. Um, I think it was probably the right decision to not do that. But, but what does, in your mind, what does he need to work on? I mean, I think it is the defense. Um, I mean, defense is not necessarily going to be what keeps you in the big leagues or makes you a start first base, but that's probably the biggest knock on his game. You know, as Jonathan asked him about, when he first got to AAA, he struggled for a while, um, and he made adjustments. I don't think uh, many people question his ability to hit or hit for power, and he's ready for the next step. And, and you're right. I mean, if I were a Mets fan, you know, with the way the season's gone, I would have been excited about seeing Peter Alonso for the final months. But it's just the way the service time rules work. I, I, I would also suspect that, you know, Peter gets to go back to Las Vegas as a Joe Bauman Award winner for the winter meetings this year. And I suspect he'll be in Las Vegas for the first couple weeks of next year because the Mets aren't going to contend and they can put his free agency on hold for an extra year. But, uh, but I, I think it's the defense and, and just facing, you know, some more, you know, quality pitching. I, you know, I don't really think his performance in the fall league matters a ton. I mean, I think he could go out there and have a Glaber Torres, Ronald Acuna MVP type of year, and he's still not going to be their opening day first baseman. And I think he could go out there and struggle and I still think he's going to be their, the best first baseman a few weeks into next year. I am willing to bet you any amount of money he will not begin the year in Las Vegas. <laughs> are, they, are they transferring? Is that what you're trying to tell me? Yes, they'll be in Syracuse for AAA. Well, see, you're, 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 you're way ahead on the PDC game than I am. So. <laughs> um, and, and but, yes, everything you, else I, 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 I agree with. 
But I was going to say, uh, my favorite Crosby, Stills, Nash song would probably be Our House. Okay. Jonathan, do you have one? No, I'm not weighing in on that. Sorry. All right. Uh, wow. I was, I was going to go with Southern Cross, but, and I'm That's not. Good and I, Ohio. Yeah, go. Ohio. Good one. There you go. Jonathan, anything to one. add on, on Peter, who seems like he's ready to deal with being a ball player in New York as well? Yeah, I, I think you're right. He's. Uh, you know he's honest without being like overly earnest. I think I think he's going to do just fine. Obviously the the real test comes when you struggle for the first time, and uh, and and how that kind of crush ends up hurting you, um, you know, or affecting you, not necessarily hurting you. And so that 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 that's kind of the the first test I'll have because invariably he will struggle, uh, and struggling in New York is a whole different animal. So, but I, I think he uh, is very well equipped to. Uh, to handle that, I mean, even just getting to AAA and struggling out of the gate, uh, and you know, a lot of the guys could have taken longer uh, to to pull out of it. And uh, he really, you know, turned it around, made some adjustments. Uh, the home road splits are a little concerning in AAA, but he's hit everywhere else he's been, so I, I'm not too worried about that. All right, let's move on from Peter Alonzo and into uh, Jim Callis' crystal ball. Looking ahead, one year, 2019, this time of year, taking a look at the top 10 prospects in baseball, who they will be. Obviously, you have to, in your mind when you do this, Jim, kind of figure out who's going to be moving off the list between now and then. Uh, But you have it on the site, and you're going number one, a friend of the podcast, Royce Lewis, twin shortstop. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. I haven't done this story for three years in a row and doing some research. You know, basically, the it, it's, it's somewhat straightforward. Everybody who, who ends the season in the top ten pretty much is a top ten guy the next year or has been, barring that they don't graduate to the big leagues, which isn't always easy to project whether they do or not, or getting hurt. So you kind of start there. I think because so many guys got held back this year, you know, starting with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Eloy Jimenez, I think there's a good chance that that's, that probably eight of our top ten guys on the list right now are going to graduate, so there'll be a lot of new blood. But I just think a year from now, Royce Lewis will be the number one prospect. He was the number one pick in the draft a couple of years ago. And, you know, it, it's it's funny. You know, obviously you're very talented if you're going number one overall, and I think he's even a little bit better than people expected, even though a lot was expected of him. I mean, he earned a promotion. He he not only handled the Midwest League, which I think is the toughest place to hit in the minors as a 19-year-old, he handled a promotion to high class day very well. Um, I think power is probably going to be his least obvious tool, but I think he's going to have at least average power. And I think the biggest question surrounding him when he was drafted was, look, this guy's going to be a talented offensive player and he can really run, but can he stay at shortstop or is he going to be a center fielder in the future? And I don't think he's a lock to stay at shortstop. But I think people, and not just the Twins organization, but even outside the organization, feel better about him staying at shortstop. So I just think when you're talking about a, a shortstop who's going to hit for high average and, and, and play solid shortstop and steal a bunch of bases and maybe hit 15-plus home runs, that's a, that's a pretty good player. And as the Twins are currently uh, constructed, not really an opening in center field for him either. So with Byron Buxton, obviously. Um, so you have a twin at number one and three. Let's shift to that. Jonathan, Alex Kirilov has risen quickly. I mean, that's an impressive setup for a Twins team that obviously took a little step back this year after making it to the wild card game in 2017. But you talk about Lewis and Kirilov could be two of the top three prospects in the game a year from now. Are you, are you pigeonholing me to only talk about Pittsburgh guys? Yes, that's what I do. Uh, you know what? I'm good with that. 
Um, it, there, you could kind of go on and on about the offensive year that, that Karoloff had. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm working on a story on hitters who took huge jumps on our, on our rankings also. And he obviously is high in those because, you know, he didn't play last year because of Tommy John surgery and no one knew exactly uh, what that would mean in terms of rust or, you know, things, things of that nature. I mean, everyone always thought he could hit. That's why he was a first round pick, but you don't, you don't know if it's going to happen right away. And it, it happened right away. And he, he, he led the minors in, in total bases. Uh, you know, he, he hit both in the Midwest league and in the Florida state league where the ball does not carry. He still hit for average and power, ton of extra base hits. Uh, you know, he, I think Jim was right as he wrote in the story that once Vlad Jr. and Elo Jimenez graduate, uh, he will be thought of as the best all-around pure hitting prospect in, in baseball. I skipped number two, Jim. I'll go back to you for Joe Adele. Um, how has he kind of risen up right now, and, and how has he put himself in this position? Because I think that at well, some point there were some questions about Adele, but he seems to have kind of answered all of them. Well, I mean, I would, I would even go, I don't even think there were some questions. There were a lot of questions about his bat. I mean, I think from a – a tool standpoint in the 2017 draft, he probably had the best all-around tools in the draft. Unless I'm forgetting somebody, I don't think I am. And he, you know, not the high school stats mean anything, but he hit 25 homers to lead the nation and all that. I mean, you're talking about a guy who had huge raw power and he could really run. His arm was bothering him a little bit that spring, but he was up to 97 miles an hour. He was a clear center. I mean, the tools were great, but. There were a lot of concerns about his bat. He swung and missed a lot on the showcase circuit, and it wasn't just against good pitching. I mean, scouts saw him a lot. There were times where he would miss kind of, you know, averageish fastballs and, and look kind of clueless against breaking balls. So, I mean, as much as you love the tools, there were, you know, severe concerns by a lot of teams whether he would hit. And, I mean, obviously the Angels, I mean, it looks like a great pick now, but I don't think a lot of teams had him in the top ten. Not necessarily, even even with those tools, and then, and then you fast forward. I mean, he had a nice debut, but then you fast forward to this year. I mean, he he got all the way to to Double A, which is ridiculous for a high school guy. I I, I Johnson, I, I don't think any of the other high school guys got to Double A this year, did they? I, I I'm I, I'm pretty sure the answer to that is no. Um, I think you're probably right, but now I'm going to look. Uh, but yeah, no, and I agree with that. Uh, uh, you know, it, he he scuffled a little tiny bit and the move to double a, but if anyone had told you that he would come close to, uh, you know, reaching double a in his first full season, I think you would have been, you know, uh, thought he was, they were being crazy. Um, so the fact that he's been able to move that quickly as, as a high schooler, it's one thing for a high schooler to move quickly for, for a guy who supposedly was, you know, as raw as Jim detailed, especially with holes in his swing and all that kind of thing. Uh, for him to get promoted at all, um, if you had told me that he would spend his first two summers in, in rookie and short season ball, I might have believed that. You know, so he is so far ahead of the curve. I'm interested to see you know, him take the lessons he learned from his time in AA and make adjustments next year. But he is, um, I guess the biggest thing is he's just a much better all-around baseball player uh, than than people may have thought he was, given those concerns about the swing and miss offensively. 
All right, let's talk some pitching on this list quickly. Um, I'm going to not let Jim talk about the guy that he always wants to talk about. I'll let him talk about the other one. Uh, Forrest Whitley's number four. He's the top-ranked pitcher on this list, Jim. Um, is there a decent chance, though, that maybe he's graduated by a year from now? I mean, there's a chance, but I'm going to say no. Um, the reason I, I, I opted to say that he won't graduate is you know, he just hasn't pitched much this year. You know, He had a 50-game uh, drug suspension at the beginning of the season. He had a couple minor injuries. He's only pitched 26 innings. Um, he's going to pitch more in the fall league. Like uh, if, if we're uh, if we could bet in Vegas on who's going to lead the Arizona fall league in innings pitched, I, I will bet on Forrest Whitley um, because I think they're going to try to get as many innings pitched. But I mean, even if he pitches 30 innings there, that's about 55 innings for the year. I just don't see how you're going to ramp him up enough. Um, you know, I don't know how he pitches more than 100 innings next year. To be honest with you, I think they're going to have to take it slow because he barely pitched this year, unless they send him to winter ball too. So I think the combination of I just think he's going to be on a tighter innings limit next year, and the Astros are just so good that you know whose spot is he going to take? Um, uh, you know, so I, I and you know also I mean he's good, but you know if you, if you take that spot in the Astros, you have to perform. I mean, look at Kyle Tucker this year. He got a chance. He didn't hit, and because the Astros were trying to win, he got sent back down to AAA. So I just think it's going to be very difficult for Forrest Whitley to exceed 50 innings in the big leagues next year. All right, and then finally on this topic, from the left side, Mackenzie Gore is number five on Jim's list, uh, but number one in Jim's heart. Jonathan, uh, he had, I guess, a, a little bit of injury woes throughout this, this year, but he still got all that stuff that he had when he was drafted. I always feel some like guilt when I talk about Mackenzie Gore, uh, like I shouldn't, like I shouldn't be, um, but you know, since you asked, um, yeah, I think. It, it, listen, if he if it were a shoulder issue, it would be a different story. He had he had some some blister problems uh, that yes, he needs to make sure that he can get past because we've all seen pitchers who end up having sort of longer term blister issues. Uh, but stuff wise, it's still all there, and we haven't heard or gotten any reports that you know his stuff was down and when he was able to get into any kind of groove um he showed just how good he is and why he was such a, a high draft pick and uh you know assuming that he uh is able to get past the the blister thing and next year put in a full season i think that uh you know he could start to move quickly uh, I could see him being the kind of guy who starts the year in high A and makes his way to double A at least uh, over the course of, of next year, and then he's ready to knock uh, on the door in, in San Diego in 2020. All right, finally, before we uh, put an end to this podcast, this this one came in on the inbox this week for Jonathan, and it's a gym-type question, as Jonathan stated, I think. But, but you took a shot at it, redrafting 2018, and obviously – it's way, way, way too soon to be redrafting guys who were who were drafted just a few months ago and have just gotten kind of their their toes in the water as far as their professional careers. But Jonathan did it anyway. Um, number one, you kept with Casey Mize of the Tigers. Number two, Joey Bart, Giants. Uh, the first change, number three, and it's interesting because you have Nolan Gorman, and he's a guy that I think – well before the draft was in that kind of talk of that part of the draft but then as the the lead up to the draft went and he struggled a little bit at times didn't get a lot of chances to hit at times he fell back in the first round but now quickly with the in the Cardinals organization he's kind of showing that maybe he should have been up there right 
Yeah, I mean, again, as, as I said, there's a huge caveat here. It's such a small sample size. Um, it, it was hard to it's hard to evaluate, especially the pitchers, especially the college pitchers who barely pitched, if at all. Um, but you know, just for the sake of doing a fun exercise, uh, he he certainly deserves to be mentioned among the the best. 2018 draftees as a high school guy who made it to full season ball held his own at 17 homers in his first season and another guy there were some questions about swing and miss and there were strikeouts yeah but he hit you know over 290 and 380 on base I mean he he did everything uh, you, you would hope for and more for a, a guy who is you know has as much raw power as anybody in the, in the draft class and and that's why I moved him up there and I tr- I tried you know like what teams do philosophically. And the Phillies may be a little more uh, college slanted now, but they, they, you know, they, they did take Mickey Moniak number one overall. So the, uh, it, it's not completely out of the realm of, the, uh, of possibility, but that was more of a, of a nod to the, the summer debut Gorman had. And then the other guy that you had moving up into the top five was, well, the buddy of Nolan Gorman back in their high school days, Matt Libertor, also from Arizona. He slid to 16 despite being uh right up there at the top for both of you guys leading up to the draft. Jim, talk about what he's done here in his first summer. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I don't read too much into debut stats. I mean, you want to see your your top guys do well. And, you know, Gorman did great. And and, and Gorman, I think, was a guy both Johnson and I thought lasted longer than he deserved. And Libertor still fell in that category, too. I mean, I think anybody who has seen Matthew Libertor pitch or knew anything about him – uh, yeah, I'm not shocked that he went out and dominated in rookie ball because he's an extremely polished pitcher. I mean, that was kind of the selling point on, on Libertor. It was good stuff and maybe even better polish. I think sometimes the polish overshadowed how good the stuff was. But, I mean, he came in a pro ball, and, and he was pretty tough to hit because he can locate his pitches pretty well. So I, I don't think what he anything he did was a was a real surprise. Uh, and I would expect that he'll have a, a pretty nice year next year uh, in low Class A. All right, make sure you check out the rest of that top ten in the inbox for Jonathan this week and all the stories on MLB Pipeline. Uh, thank you very much to Peter Alonzo for joining us. He was great. For Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo, I'm Tim McMaster. Tune in again next time. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware. Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.